Open up the door, bitch. It's Wolf of Goofy with the green teeth. Let me in. And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. Studying, studying, studying. Here comes Cooper on that outside move again. Cooper, outside. Can he pull the move? Matt Cooper with a brilliant move on the outside. Never seen that done through Mosses. And look at the run that Matt Cooper has. I don't know what to say really, I mean it just hurts, you know, I mean uh, my bike felt really good, I had a really hard tire on, especially in the left handers and it just came in and I mean I couldn't believe how comfortable I felt the first few laps and I, uh, I just, Edwards threw that fast kink, I was a lot faster than him and I was like, that I, I just made up my mind, next lap I'm passing him right here on the brakes. And I mean, I felt like I could go see what Valentino had, and then uh, you know, I got in there and I and I felt it, and I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, everybody's made a big deal about team orders, and I said all along, I mean, I don't sign his checks, so I can't tell him what to do. And I mean, I don't, I don't expect the guy to pull over and let me go by, but I didn't expect that. And uh, you know, I definitely thought we should have had some. A plan in place. I mean, even when I passed him the first time, and he did not want to give the position to me. I mean, I had to get off the brakes and go back by him. But I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I like I say. I mean, it, he didn't have no orders. Honda didn't tell him not to race me hard. And obviously, I was watching Colin up there just doing everything perfect for uh, you know following his. I'm sure his plan. And uh, I mean, no matter what I say here, it ain't gonna be right. So I mean, I I just leave it at that. I mean, it's never over. That's why we line up. I mean, I was down there pulling for Alias and Robert so hard in the motorhome. I mean, I swear his parents couldn't have been pulling for him any harder than I was. And that's the truth. But, I mean, the truth is, is, I mean, you know, Rossi's just got to go follow me at Valencia. I mean, anything can happen in racing, but we know Valentino. I mean, let's be real. Give him eight points with one race to go. I mean, the dude's just got to follow me. I mean, you know we're, we're 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 professionals. We do our job. I mean, I did. He did come and talk to me. And I mean, I'm sure he hates. I mean, he sincerely hates it. I'm sure he hates it for himself because it makes him look terrible. But I mean, I honestly would like to thank the guy. Seen how much I put into it, knows what this means to me. Tuesday when everybody else has went home, me still out there testing. I mean, a guy with any kind of heart's got to know. You know, world championships, you don't get these opportunities all the time. It's not like I'm going to just brush it off, come back next Sunday, you know, if it costs me the championship. I mean, it's something I could live with the rest of my life. So I know he's got to feel bad, and uh, I know Danny's not that kind of rider. I mean, I know it's not intentional at all. You know, I know he did throw a fit yesterday when Stoner ruined his lap, but, you know, truth is, I mean, I know, I mean, he told me his first time in six years he ever knocked somebody down and uh
I didn't seem at the track really. I don't know. I mean, I just looked back when I was sliding on the ground, and I seen that it was was Danny. I mean, I just looked back and I seen it was Danny, and I I didn't expect it from him because you know there's certain guys I would expect it from. But I mean, a guy that's won three world championships, you know, I think just knows what it's like, you know. So I mean, I look back and I just couldn't believe that would be Dan. I mean, y'all know, y'all seen the guy. I mean, that's not one of his, one of his moves. And I just, uh, like I said yesterday, he was still mathematically in the shot. But Rick, I'm a team player. I mean, I would have, I would like to think I would. I don't know what he said before the race. If somebody had ever asked him. But I wouldn't have been leaning on him and wouldn't have been stuffing him. Not for a world championship, not to my teammate. Maybe another Honda rider, yeah. But uh, but like I say, I mean, Honda didn't tell him. You know, the guy didn't have no team orders. They paid him to go race hard, and obviously he was racing hard out. So, I mean, uh, nah, just, you know. Nah, I mean, I ain't here to point fingers. You know what we going to say? I mean, yeah, I know y'all can twist everything I say and going to make... You know, I mean, I know all year people want me and Danny to try to twist things and get us against each other, and I mean, this is going to be a perfect opportunity. I can't say, I mean, like I said, I mean, Honda orders, I didn't expect them to make guys pull over for me, but I mean, I do think we should have had a plan. I mean, you know, come on, 15, you know, but 15 races down and world title on the line, seven other Hondas, I mean, it's pretty clear Colin was doing what he could for... For Rossi, you think he was going to pass Rossi? You know, like, yeah, I don't expect him to pull over, but come on, man, do that. I don't even want to say right now. I really don't. I mean, thank God he didn't interview me, at, you know, when I got back to my motor home. And like I said, I mean, me and Danny, we came and, and, and we shook hands. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I seriously, the dude was, you know, I mean, I know he hates it, but I mean, you know, also it's not a, you know, it's just disaster for the team, for myself, and, uh, you know, I mean, he broke his finger, I hurt my shoulder, it's not like, you know, and, but that don't even matter, it's just them, them points, you know, so, uh, you know, but it is racing, man, anything can happen, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, to ask Rossi to make a mistake in this position, you know, I mean, we know this guy's clutch, and chances are unlikely, but we'll go Valencia, plan on going for the win, and, no, nah, man, I mean, you guys, y'all been wanting me to roll over all year. You know, a lot of people have been just waiting for me to just give up, just throw the towel in. But, man, I mean, I proved this weekend, man, I wasn't ready. I was not going to give up without a fight. And even now, I mean, you know, I believe uh, my position, even I said the other day, all year I've led races, won races, fought for positions, fought clutch problems since round one. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm plenty strong. I mean, even today, this weekend, this was my worst track on the whole calendar, and I came here, it was fastest in one set on the front row, and felt like my race pace, I mean, I know it's easy to say, a lot of guys, everybody who crashed out probably thought they had the race pace, you're going to say that as a rider, you believe that, but I feel like, uh, even today in the race, man, you know, I mean, I, I, got, I didn't get a great start, came past Colin, he passed me back, came past, passed Danny. Yeah, we fight hard. I mean, that's why I like, I mean, it ain't easy. Just don't expect nobody to roll over. And, I mean, I know Danny thought me and Rossi was too tough with him a few times. But, I mean, this is MotoGP, and, yeah, I mean, nobody gives nothing. So, I mean, uh, 
you know, earlier in the year, yeah, sure, when we were racing hard, it was it was me and him one, two in the championship. You know, we yeah. would have to expect that. But uh, you know, like I say, I mean, I honestly, Danny, I know he's a, honestly he's a. I mean, we did get together a few times, but I mean, I can't say hey, he's a guy that needs to be. I mean, I hope they don't suspend him because I need that guy. I mean, you know, anything could happen next week. So I mean, you know, I need him. I hope his hand's okay. I told him. I mean, I don't know if I really forgave him, but I told him there is one way to make it up to me, and that's if we run one two at Valencia, it's still possible. And that's what I told him when he left. I mean, that's okay. the one way he can make it up to me. But I mean, yeah, it's racing, and I mean, you know, we are bad on side. This, I mean, I can't just. Okay, guys, thank you. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to episode number 31, the uh, Deliver a Beatdown episode. Yep, I believe that, um, well, everyone in the United States is calling for an immediate beatdown of, uh, of the Hoppet. So we will, that's going to be dominating the program today and uh, definitely going to be spending some time talking about that. So. Welcome to episode number 31 of Rumble Strip Radio, where you are on uh, pole position for news, commentary, and opinion in the world of motorcycle ro- road racing. As always, I am your host, the Duke, and it is with pleasure that we welcome you back now for episode number 31 of the greatest motorcycle podcast in the world. Well, at least in a lot of people's minds. Just kidding. Anyways, a lot of good stuff out there, and hey, let's not forget everyone out in the motorcycle podcast group, and we're going to talk about them here in a little bit, too. So... Contact information, as always, you can send uh, your feedback, whether it's uh, good, bad, or indifferent, and I got some good feedback again this week, so thank you to Kelly and everybody else out there. So, uh, rumblestripradio at gmail.com, that is where you can send your feedback to, and uh, yes, I do actually enjoy getting, uh, we'll call it constructive criticism, almost always. And because uh, how can I improve if you don't tell me what I'm doing wrong, right? Of course, the website, www.rumblestripperradio.com. And, of course, going to tell you about all the links on this on the website, too. Uh, we have the uh, AdSense stuff. I see some of you, uh, once again, have been clicking through, and I do appreciate that. That uh, will contribute uh, to the site a little bit here and there, a few cents here and there. And also uh, the emusic.com uh, button there again you uh, click on there sign up and you can get 25 free songs uh, once you uh, download your 25 songs you can uh, cancel your subscription i know they do ask for uh, credit card information stuff like that um, but i have registered and got my free songs and canceled and my credit card did not get billed so uh, they're good people over there they got a lot of good music over there but uh, if you do do that it helps out the site greatly. In fact, I get six bucks for every person that signs up. Now, since it doesn't cost you anything and it gives me six dollars, let me put it to you this way. If four people sign up, actually about three and a half, but we'll just call it four, that takes care of my hosting costs for the month, which is cool. I like that. And then if we can get, let's see, 40, 60 divided by four, what, 12 people? Uh, a month to sign up for that. That takes care of not only my hosting, but that also takes care of all my bandwidth bills uh, for dealing with everything too. So that's that's all we're asking. Just you know, would I like to make a lot of money at this? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? You know. But um, if we can just at least get our 
cost covered. Uh, that would be much appreciated. Or if you just want to cut me a check or PayPal me some money, uh, drop me uh, drop me a line, and I can help you out with that as well. If you'd like to uh, help the cause out. So, anyways, enough of that stuff. Um, also, the MPG crew, the Motorcycle Podcast Group, good, a lot of good stuff happening there. A lot of new shows have uh, come out from the guys. And uh, would definitely encourage you to check out MotoVOD. That's M-O-T-O-V-O-D dot com. Uh, that is uh, Ray Duvall from the Knee Dragon Podcast. That is his video uh, video uh, podcast. And uh, actually got a chance to watch the first two episodes here this past week. And uh, good shows. The the first you could tell the the first show was probably the first one that he did, and that's got some issues in it. But hey, it was still good. And it talks about uh, on his ZX10 changing out the radial, uh, changing out the master cylinder, and putting on some stainless steel brake lines. It was good. It was nice. It was detailed, but it wasn't in it. But it didn't drag. And then the second one that I think that just came out this week or at the end of last week, anyways. Uh, talked about everything involved in uh, going to a track day, and it was done really well. And what I liked about it is he he shot some stuff uh, in his truck going to the track, and then he had shot some other stuff both at the track and uh, uh, at his house, and then he kind of interspersed the stuff too. So it was really good. The editing on uh, on uh, show two was was quite good. So um, let's see, Prubert and the crew got uh, some stuff out. Doctor Dave has got uh, the latest moto or the AMA raw out. Um, like I said, everyone's put out some shows here in the last couple of weeks, so I uh, would encourage you to check that out. Uh, MotorcyclePodcastGroup.com. The lost episode hopefully will be finished edited uh, this week. Um, we'll see if I can finish that up since I have it on the computer here. It's sort of episode 5.1, or it's, it's part 2 of episode 5. Uh, and considering that it was uh, recorded back in July. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, we'll get it up there. Then some other stuff happening on happening with that. Uh, one or two other projects going on with people involved in the MPG that uh, there should be announcements coming relatively soon. Uh, some meetings going on in the background, some exciting stuff. Not everything's signed and sealed and delivered, but let's say we're about uh, two-thirds of the way there. So uh, look for towards the end of November, beginning of December, look for an announcement on that. So... Ah, Portugal. You know, everyone um, was thinking that this was going to be an interesting round for a lot of different reasons. Um, and let me say that there was a lot of good stuff that happened in the 125 race. It was a great race, uh, if you don't count um, Batista running away and disappearing by, what, 49 seconds or something? That was very um, old-school Ayrton Senna-esque. Um, for those of you who used to watch Formula One back in the day when there actually was racing in Formula One, uh, and Senna would lap the field up to about second or third spot on a regular basis. But anyways, Bautista ran off of that. But so there, you know, for a while, what was it, second through ninth just going at it? It was beautiful. And then the 250 race was uh, was a tremendous race as well, especially when you consider that the Lollipop Guild, I don't know, something, something wrong with that bike. He, he had, you know, record lap pace at the end of the... Uh, at the end of the race, but he couldn't, you know, find his ass with either hand if he had a roadmap at the beginning of the race. You know, he went from second, third spot down to like ninth within like seven laps. What's going on there, man? 
So I guess since he's returning next year and he's managing points and stuff like that, whatever. But I just just not something I expected out of the Lollipop Guild. Anyways, we uh, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about that, but I'm sure that's not the focus that everyone wants to see this week on on this week's show. And guess what? For a change, I'm going to give you what you want because it's pretty much what I want too. So. Nice when things sync up together like that. So, uh, yeah, you're watching the race, and Nick gets a good jump. Well, a, a decent start. He's third, fourth, fifth spot there, and which is really good considering that Alex Barros has had some tremendous starts compared to Nicky in the past few races. Things are going all right. He's getting up to speed. Still pretty tight, first through fourth, fifth place there. Makes a, a really nice pass on, on uh, the Hobbit. Nobody touched there. It was just a solid, aggressive pass. And what was one of the things that we were calling for with Nick was a return to the form uh, pre-Laguna where he was being aggressive, right? Because, man, move over and let me pass. Oh, they have to be pulling these hush puppies out your motherfucking ass. Right. I mean, that's what we wanted. And he was doing it. Uh, they were, you know. The Hobbit was holding him up, got by him. Uh, as you heard in the audio, he had Colin lined up, knew exactly where he was going to pass him, and I have no doubt that he was going to be able to get around him right there in, in that spot. And then it's him and the doctor, and that's what we want to see. We want to see head-to-head. There would have been 20, it was a 28-lap race that was lap six, so 20, let's call it 21, 22 laps of head-to-head between the doctor and the kid. And that's what everyone wants to see, you know, Nick has been criticized, rightly and wrongly, for coasting a bit, uh, call it what you want, the second half of the season, and everyone wants to see, is he going to be, you know, quote-unquote, a true champion, and and a quote-unquote true champion being that he's going to fight for the win and beat the best guy. Well, we were robbed. We was robbed. Because Mr. Four Foot Eleven, 98 Pounds, decided that he wanted to get through. Now, I've read the quotes and stuff like that, just like everyone else has, that you know, he came in, he was coming in too hot, he hit the brakes, the back wheel came up, and in watching the replays, I don't remember seeing the back wheel coming off the ground, and I actually did see that a couple times, and I watched the MotoGP in full screen, you know, the replay in full screen, and was looking at that and looking at that, and I didn't... I didn't see the back wheel come off the ground, but, you know, it could have been, you know, two millimeters. I mean, these guys are that sensitive. But And then, you know, tucks the front, runs right into the back in Nick's bike, and takes both of them out. And then he has a hissy fit, you know, throws his hands up like, why, 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 why? Something like that anyways. Sorry for blowing out your speakers on that one. But uh, yeah, someone who was it? Uh, was it Dennis? I think it was Dennis Noyes who pointed this out. Where uh, it was either him or, or uh, Toby Moody. I, I reread both of their columns. Uh, uh, Den- Dennis Noyes has a column up on uh, SpeedTV.com, and Toby Moody has one over at Crash.net. Um, let me write myself a note, and we'll put up some links to those stories. Uh, in the show notes, and uh, I'm going to do that right now. So if you'll, uh, Toby and Dennis, 
links to stories. That way, when I'm typing up my show notes, I see that, and uh, we can put the links up in there in the show. So if you haven't read those, uh, either of those columns, um, would encourage you to go do it. Both of them, a uh, little, little lengthier, uh, but some very good analysis in both of those. So anyways, uh, the Hobbit's over there, you know, kind of throwing a hissy fit, and then walks off. I mean, kind of glances over at Nikki, like, what was that? And then walks off. And Nick, oh, man, I was waiting for Nick to start grabbing some i was waiting for him to go uh miami university v florida international university if you, i mean if you've watched anything on sports center or on your local news and uh saw that disaster from last saturday where you know guys are stomping on you know guys are cleating each other and swinging helmets i was waiting for nick to come over and just deck his ass uh that or you know take something from uh you know uh uh uh, fire extinguisher or something from one of the from one of the corner marshals and start whipping it at him. I mean, you. I mean, if you can read lips, woo man! You think I get a little vulgar on this show once in a while? It would have been beep 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 beep. You got beep 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 beep. I mean, it would sound like a back, you know, a, a forklift backing up or something, right? You know, beep 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 beep. So it was. Uh, I'm not the best lip reader, but I caught about half of that. And if I could read half of it, oh boy. So, and, uh, so that's why I say I would, you know, it was time to go Michael Wil Wilbon on that one and, you know, and call for the beat down, not just a beat down, a beat down. And in fact, in uh, reading through some of the, uh, all the different reactions to this and, and it's like literally 30 seconds after that was over with them. So they're going, oh boy. Be interesting to see what old Dean Adams has to say on this one. And um, I was actually surprised how mild his uh, his reaction was to it, all things considered. Um, I, I I fully expected him uh, for him to call for next time he walks in uh, to the U.S. off a plane that uh, department department uh, Department of Homeland Security should uh, ship him off to Gitmo Bay uh, and declare him an enemy combatant so he has no rights. He has no habeas corpus. And then he'll just rot in there. You know, that, That's what I was expecting, the fact that he didn't. I was like, wow, Dean, you're mellowing at your old age. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of reactions. Pretty much everyone has the same, same reaction of like, you know, it was a classic WTF, also known as, what the fuck were you thinking? And there's not much more that I could say. I, I, I will obviously elaborate, but, you know, Nick had it right. How is it that Honda, or hello, yeah, Honda didn't have, I'm not going to say team orders, but, you know, don't take each other out? <laughs> you know, I, is Honda still stinging from Rossi dissing them and walking away and going to Yamaha and taking what they rightly feel is you know, is theirs, and that's the uh, premier, uh, the championship and the premier, motor, you know, motorcycle class of the world. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Now, as I've said a hundred times, and as I've written in just about every forum I participate in, understand that Honda cares about the manufacturer's championship far, 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 far more than they care about um, the rider's championship. So the fact that 
they've won they bas- they've basically clinched the manufacturer's championship. If they haven't done it already, it's pretty close mathematically that they're going to win the manufacturer's championship. That to them validates their existence that it is the machine that they have the dominant machine. Now, the fact that they have six bikes on the track compared to Yamaha's four, that helps a little bit, obviously. And, you know, six and a half if you count the motor in the in the Roberts bike. So that's what the validation they look for, that the riders are interchangeable. It's all about the bike. And that's, you know, somewhat understandable. But um, to everyone else in the world, they still gain a ton of in marketing by winning the Riders' Championship. And in fact, in the United States, which I believe is still Honda's largest motorcycle market, I mean, bigger than even when you combine all of your, all of the EU together. I may be a little wrong on that, but it's got to be really close. The fact that they can't run ads that say, I mean, they have in the past that, you know, the CBR 600 RR is... Direct evolution from the RC211V. And, you know, people go, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. I guess I can see a little bit of that. They get some mileage out of that. But when in the United States, they can run a full two-page color spread and all the different motorcycle vehicles that are, you know, vehicles, uh, books, magazines, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, Nikki Hayden, 2006 MotoGP champion on a Honda. Sorry, that covers... A whole lot more ground here when they can run those ads on the speed channel and ESPN and everything else that means much 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 more to us than that you want that now it looks as if there are going to be some heads that are going to roll at Honda for this uh, or at least potentially it's a lot of names being thrown out there is how'd you let this happen and that's a good question but it's all about saving face, and we'll see how that actually plays out as we uh, as we make our way through the rest of the year. You know, Yamaha had their shit together, and Colin is out there telling you, "Hey, I'm gonna watch my guys back." You know, I have no chance to win the championship, so you know what? I'm gonna make sure that I'm a good teammate. Now, he didn't say he's gonna go take someone out, but it is implied and understood that. He's going to make it difficult for people to get around him. He tried to get it so uh, Val- Valentino could get up front, make a break, get five, six seconds on everybody, and then uh, you know be be a bit of a rolling chicane there for him or roadblock to give his guy the chance to get maximum points and make a big step towards uh, towards a eighth championship. You know, sixth, sixth in the premier class, and be the only 990 champion ever. Which that's got to mean a lot to him. The last 500 champion, the first 990, and the last 990, and I'm sure he wants to be the first 800 champion as well. I mean, that pretty much uh, doesn't matter what he's on, what he's ever ridden. He's won the championship. You know, so it's, anyways, we'll get to. We'll get to a little bit more of that here in a second. But, I mean, Yamaha had their shit together, and Colin was smart about it. Now, what was going on with Repsol and Honda, Repsol in particular, Honda in general? I I don't know. They just, 
makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't think it makes any sense to anyone in the paddock in the world except for the people in charge at HRC. I mean, uh, Liam Schubert over at Moto, on uh, motoliam.com even said in a little blurb, basically the paddock was in shock that this went down, uh, that no one in the paddock understood why there were, there weren't team orders going on here. Now, did Danny have a mathematical chance of winning the championship? Sure. As long as, uh, Rossi, Nikki, Marco, and Loris scored no points and Danny won the you know, the last two races. Sure. He had a chance, a theoretical mathematical chance. That's also known as a, much of a chance as the Lions winning the Super Bowl. Or if you want to meet more, the Lions and the Arizona Cardinals meeting in the NFC Championship game. Okay. Let's, let's take not just the Lions winning, you know, two loser franchises meeting in a championship game. Yeah. Not, in other words, not going to happen. Right. So when everyone else in the paddock, so it's not just you and it's not just me. It's every other race team is scratching their head going, what the hell was that? How did you let that happen? Then you know it's not just us. Okay. I always say racers have a different, don't think like you do and I do. They have a different mentality, a different way of looking at things. And that's very true. But when everyone else in that same paddock who thinks a little differently and looks at things differently, when they say that, I mean, come on. <laughs> Pretty much says it right there, right? So. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there who've also been calling, you know, Danny needs to get fired from HRC. Well, you can add, you can, you can put that also in the column of ain't gonna happen. And you know why? Um, because Repsol Hunt, Repsol, the main sponsor, could give two shits that Nikki Hayden is even on that team. In fact, they're pissed that Nikki is winning the championship lead or was I'm sorry was leading the championship that the wrong writer does is not out on top you know this and, but understand it's not just that um back in the day with when Mick Dewan and Alex Crevier were on the team they didn't care about Mick Dewan they really didn't it was all because they are a Spanish slash Argentinian oil company so their push is for a Spanish or an Argentinian rider. Well, there's no Argentinian riders currently in MotoGP or for a very long time. But Creville and uh, Pedroza, sure, that's all they want. That's all they want. They want their guy on the number one bike leading the championship. That's their concern. And um, you know they've 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 reportedly express, expressed their displeasure to Honda um, throughout the year about this. Uh, you know, in fact, Honda theoretically engineered the, the team this year so that Nick wasn't didn't even have a shot. He's doing all this development work on a different bike that's completely different than everyone else has, where Danny is on the, you know, the standard normal bike with a few extra things to it. But Nick was winning. Nick was leading the championship, you know, and... Okay, well, let's see. Let's keep trying new things and trying new things and trying new things and trying new things. And you're still leading the championship. Okay, 
I'm not saying conspiracy theory here, but I've pulled the tinfoil hat off the shelf and it's it's sitting beside me and I'm kind of looking at it going, hmm, yeah, do we need to put that on here? I'm thinking we might. So we're thinking about it. But the other interesting thing in this whole story is how Alberto Puig or Pug fits into it. And this is one of the things that both Toby and Dennis talk about is that there are two, in a sense, there's two Danny Pedrosas here. And, th- and this is more what Dennis brought out than, than uh, Toby is there's a Danny Pedrosa for the Spanish media. And then there's a Danny Pedrosa for the English speaking media or for the rest of the world. And they are two very, very different people. And, and I don't have the, have the article up to kind of quote verbatim where it was, but it was just, it was interesting where, uh, Poog is, um, manipulating some things and, you know, steering things certain way. And, um, Dennis had written something critical of, of Danny, or I think it was of Danny. So Alberto in a very, let's see, hold on. Where is it? Sorry. I had to re, uh, re-download my uh, my cart program and when I did that because the other one crashed and wiped out everything I had so got to figure out where everything is here again but you're a pussy yeah that's pretty much what we're called what we're saying to Puig because he didn't go to Noya's and say um, I don't appreciate what you wrote here first he went to HRC and then he went to uh, motor motors motorcycle or whatever the Spanish uh, uh, magazine that Noyes writes for and bitched and complained about that, of which I have to say, you're a pussy. Because if you're not a man enough when you have an issue to go up to a person that you have the issue with and say it to their face, then first, second, third, fourth, and all the way, you're a pussy. Yeah. That's what we call in America whiny Euro trash. So anyways, and apparently Dennis isn't exclusive on this because he did pretty much – and Dennis is like, well, in in Spain and in, in MotoGP, I'm considered part of the Spanish press. Even though I'm American, I write for the Spanish press, so I get treated by that group like they treat everyone else in Spain, which is, you know, don't say much, uh, you know, the ASIMO treatment, very robotic, very cold, um, stoic, call it what you want, um, where in – the English-speaking press, Danny, is supposedly comes off. Although what we see, and and you know, diff- except for a couple occasions, is easygoing, laid-back, smiling kind of guy. Well, yeah, not exactly working out that way, is it? So both of them have to, both of them have some interesting things to say. And again, I'll put the links up about about how that was handled, especially by Alberto Puig, Pug, whatever. Um, which. Uh, made, let's just say I had there was an off the record conversation I had with someone, and they were they had hoped that at some point in the future that Danny may find new management, and that in finding new management he would find much more success. And I will leave. It was not with that was not a conversation with Liam. That was with someone else who I've started trading some email with um, in the MotoGP paddock. So. 
just it was very interesting. Or I can't say they're in the paddock, but they're around the paddock. So they're in the know. Let's just say they they're not in the know in the know, but they're in the know enough. So, anyways, yeah. So that uh, so El, you know Alberto's not helping the situation out on that one. So Danny's going nowhere for next year. Nick's not going anywhere for next year. They're both going to be on Repsol Honda. Can't really call them Team Repsol Honda now, is Kenya? Right, because there is no I in Team, and obviously there is no Team in Repsol Honda. Yeah. Now, someone else brought up an interesting point. Had Nick waited a couple weeks and not signed the contract with Honda while they were at while they were at Motegi, you think he might be riding a red machine next year instead of Casey Stoner? And um, yeah, how cool is <laughs> how much of an fu is that? Casey Stoner crashes out, takes out Gibernau. Gibernau's um, shoulders screwed up again, and Casey gets his ride for doing it. <laughs> so, once again, karma. So next year will be uh, Caparossi and Stoner. And um, somewhat ironic in a couple different ways in that back in his day, um, Caparossi was, was a definite crasher and known for, if not taking a couple riders out, pushing them off track pretty hard, i.e. Uh, Harada. But that was more, you know, one, two, going for the championship in literally the final corner. That's a little more understandable. Not so much like Danny where they're five laps into the, you know, next to last race of the year and taking out your teammate. Well, although Harada and Caparossi were teammates, theoretically anyways, well, as much as Pedrosa and uh, Hayden are. At the time, you know, those guys were on the 250 Aprilias. So, but, uh, yeah, Stoner is, is I'm not going to say become Caparossi, but there's some strong tendencies in there. So hopefully that uh, the mature Caparossi will wear off on the young Stoner. Because last few years, Caparossi has become much more mature rider, much better rider, and I think a much stronger rider. And is uh, looking to be, um, well, obviously, Nicky be, or uh, Valentino beat him to it, but uh, uh, Caparossi is also looking to become not only, you know, a 125, 250 in GP champion as well as he already has, is 125 and 250 in the bag. You now he's been trying for, wow, 12 years? 11 years to be a uh, MotoGP champion or 500 and now MotoGP champion. So, um, so that leaves Jeeber now without a ride. So you got to believe that while it's been off and on who the hell's riding the second Kawasaki bike, you got to believe that Jeeber now is now the leading um, candidate for that second Kawasaki bike. Carlos Checa has decided to leave the Tech 3 team and head and take Stoner's spot at LCR. Um, apparently for even for less money than he was getting at Tech 3, and he really wasn't getting a whole lot of money at Tech 3, but he feels a Honda um, on Michelin's will give him a far superior chance to be involved in the championship, which would lead to him getting paid. And I'm sure there's some performance bonus money written into that contract as well. He may take next to no salary, but... Certain performance bonuses are met. He gets certain amounts of money. Um, 
Other news, uh, obviously, Ilmore made their debut. And how cool was it that until, you know, part of the race there where the front wheel speed sensor went out, um, that they were ahead of, they weren't the last bike on the track. They were, he was, you know, McCoy was actually in front of um, um, Cardoso. Uh, but then when the front wheel sensor started screwing up, it kicked in, you know, maximum traction control and McCoy wasn't able to go anywhere. So once, you know, it took him three, four laps to get that figured out, you know, came in, tried something that didn't, they swapped out batteries that didn't work, came back in, figured it out. And then he was back out there and he was still running, you know, pretty much what he was before. Um, so, you know, the 800 Ilmore bike had a successful debut, scored a world championship point. Now understand that they scored a world championship point because all the rest of the carnage that went on. And, um, but that's still, it was very, very, uh, very good to see that there's someone else out there. That's proof of concept anyways. Right. Uh, and they were down 20 kilometers an hour, 15 to 20 kilometers an hour off the, 990 bikes, which, you know, and there's a big long, there's, what did they say it was, a 500 meter? Yeah, 500 meters, so half a kilometer front long straight. So that's, you know, those guys were going over 330 kilometers an hour, so, you know, they were moving. Uh, but obviously Valencia will be a much better uh, track for that bike because it is much, it, it's a twistier, uh, twistier track, and the 990s that'll be running won't have quite the grunt there's not the long front straight uh to make a difference so they might only be down five seven k on the front straight top speed so what um obviously kenny roberts jr had a chance to win the race actually he thought he won the race then he looks over as he's thinking he's crossing the finish line and for the last time and ooh, no checkered flag oops so um He's not the first person to do that, nor the last person. In fact, Mick Dewan had, had done that on more than one occasion. I remember back in, during his glory days, and I, I think it was at one of the Asian tracks, and I don't remember which one, Over right over where the start-finish line is, there was a, uh, a sign up there. And wow, I'm being very Italian when I'm doing this because I'm like talking with my hands. Draw, you know, there was an arch over there, and there was a sign up there with a board, and it had you know how many laps were left, and he saw uh, one lap or two laps, I'm sorry, it was two laps, um, but it was two laps as he was coming there. Was you know He obviously hasn't passed by, so it was two laps. So he's like, he thought he was on the last lap and came across one last lap and no checkered flag and someone got by him. And I think it even cost him the race doing that. And he's like, what the hell? So um, so Kenny, he, he, led, he led the race though, which was very cool to see for the KR team. Uh, finished up on the podium, which is great. Second podium finish for the, for the team this year. And, um, so hopefully as, as Kenny said in the post-race interview, you know, we're, we're right there now and we're going to be getting, you know, unlike this year where we got motors in March end of, you know, February, March, um, we're going to get the 800 motors when everyone else gets the 800 motors. So we're going to have a full off season to develop this bike and which will be good. That means they should be very, very competitive for next year. And he's saying, you know, this year, the goal was to be within, you know, 10, 10, 15 seconds at the finish line of Rossi. And they've done that on multiple occasions. So you can consider that that has been a success for the team this year. Next year, they intend to be up there fighting for the podium every race. And I think that is excellent that there's going to be a different team up there doing that. So, And obviously, we can't finish talking about this race without talking about 
what I'm going to say is the ride of the year. Tony Elias, or Elias, or whatever it is. Whenever someone says Elias, I, I go back to uh, uh, Platoon. Anyone seen the movie Platoon? Elias, which was... Uh, was that William Defoe? Yeah, that was William Defoe's character. Anyway, so Tony Elias uh, rode like he has never ridden before and may have saved his ride for next year because it was an all but you know foregone conclusion that the kid was out of our ride for next year on uh, on the Grassini bike you know Marco signed a uh, one year contract he's back so who's going to be on the second Grassini bike well it looks like that Tony Elias after that ride may have saved himself um you know looking for employment for next year because he was out there on the bike and riding like he's you know he's going old school on the 500 two stroke way he's you know sliding it around backing it in the corners using the uh, rumble strips as berms um i think he most might have used rossi as a berm once or twice i mean the way that he was going into turn one oh my i think you know his, nick's nick says he's in the motorhome you know, cheering for this guy probably more, you know, more than his parents are. And, you know, Nick's probably going, man, I don't back it in that hard. But, um, you know, that was I, honestly, if someone can tell me who had a better ride this year than that or a better performance this year than that ride, you know, rumblestripradio at gmail.com, please tell me. that's That was absolutely one of the best rides of the year. And... I think the funniest thing was the first time he went around Rossi in turn one, and Rossi, you know, once they get through there, Rossi looks back like, where the hell did he come from? <laughs> you know, Rossi, okay, let's see what this guy's going to do. Go Goes and gets back in front of him, you know, and then Rossi gets passed by Roberts, and then he's like, okay, enough of this noise. Goes back, gets the lead, and, and then Elias comes back and says, no, 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 no soup for you. Um, grabs it, Rossi comes back, and Rossi's like, me, me, you know, in there, tucked tight. I'm sure that he can feel and hear Tony behind him, and then Tony's got him all lined up, comes off the last corner, just gives that thing all it's worth and wins by uh, two ten-thousandths, two one-hundredths, two ten-thousandths, point zero zero two at the stripe. Um, I mean, what a great race it turned out to be. And um, I'm sure Nick is buying Tony whatever he wants for keeping it, from instead of being um, 13 points down going into Valencia to only being eight points down. So think about this. There was, you know, obviously, if you can do the math real easy, had Rossi won that race, that was a 25-point swing in the championship um, where where Nick would have gone from being 12 points up to 13 points down. Now going into Valencia, he's only eight points down. That's That's huge. Um, now, as he says, if he finishes second, you know, first and, um, Rossi finishes, if he, if Nick wins and Rossi's second, well, game over, Valentino Rossi is your champion. Um, but if he's third, the points difference is enough there that then Nick gets to be champion. So, but then, then we get into all kinds of interesting math or maths as, uh, the English like to say, um, you know, if one finishes second, then, you know, if Nick finishes second, where does Rossi have to finish? I think he has to finish fifth um, for the for everything to still work out the right way for Nick to win the championship. So it's going to be very, very interesting uh, once we get to Valencia and see how that sorts out. Now, on top of that, 
more news coming out that Ducati is bringing at least one, if not, you know, for one rider, if not both riders, to uh, to run the 800 bikes at Valencia. Um, seeing as how they're going to be testing the day after that race anyways for two days, um, they're figuring, well, might as well get some extra testing in and actual race conditions in. And, of course, on the second bike, since Jeeber now is not going to be there, it looks as if Troy Bayless, fresh off winning uh, his second World Superbike Championship, is going to get a shot at uh, at the second seat, which I think would be very, very cool. And I think that's an awesome reward for him, uh, considering that he never really should have lost his MotoGP seat to begin with. Um, some politics going on and not wanting to listen to the man, and turns out when the man's right, maybe they're thinking, well, okay, well, let's cut the guy some slack. He was right, and... So we'll reward him for winning the championship. So that'll be cool. That'll be very cool to see Troy back on a MotoGP bike and uh, be interesting to see how he makes the adjustment from the World Superbike to, uh, especially if he's running the 800 bike, which is very much a uh, 250-ish. I'm, I think Caparossi's going to absolutely fly on that bike. Um, so let's see. What else do I have in here? Do, 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 do. Uh, open rides for next year. I think we talked a little bit about this. Tech 3 has two open seats. Uh, now that Czech is gone, uh, it was already Ellison was told a couple races ago that he wasn't going to be brought back. Uh, Kawasaki obviously still has a a, a seat left. Let's see who's going to get that one. Um, you know, kind of a question mark for Grassini. What's happening there? Ilmore, what are they doing for riders? Are they going to keep McCoy? Are they going to try and bring you know someone else in to replace McCoy? Uh, are they going to try and run two bikes next year, just one? Um, you know, the WCM team, are they going to try and do anything? Probably not. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Cito Pons, who bowed out for this year's championship because he couldn't find a sponsor. Um, you know, what's going to be his story? Is he got a, is he, you know, he's had a year off. Has he been able to find a sponsor so that he can start running a team again? Or is he done? You know, there's a big question mark. So, uh, but it's almost like there are more bikes than there are riders, which is a little bit, a little bit strange, but what do you know? Um. Yeah. So, anyway, so as we look forward, well, Valencia won't be next week, right? We got two week, another week in between. It's not this weekend; it's next weekend. So, I think next week's show we'll talk more about Valencia and and how that thing is going to get set up and all the different scenarios. Um, man, that's going to be crazy. And I know there's uh, quite a, quite actually quite a few people from from here that are heading there. They were heading there to begin with, and now that everything has gone down the way it's gone down, I think even more people are going over there and going to just try and, whether sneak in or, you know, scalp tickets or whatever, whatever they do to get into that event. That's going to be, going to be one hell of an event at Valencia. And it, you know, <laughs> I wish I had this drop. I, I know where I can get it, but way back in the, in the day, Michael Irvin with the Cowboys, can you feel the electricity? Man, I tell you what, that is going to be one charged up atmosphere at Valencia. But like I say, let's uh, let's save the Valencia talk for next week. Um, I think that's pretty much all the show is going to be is is Valencia and, and how that's going to go down and break that down a little bit. So with that, I think we're going to call it a show. We've gone here for uh, a little over fifty minutes here, and um, I'm trying to. Think, I'm just looking through my notes here to see if there's something else that I wanted to talk about about that event. But I think we pretty much covered it. Um, dumb move by Danny. Absolutely dumb move. What were you thinking? Oh, I'm sorry. There is one other thing I wanted to uh, bring up, and I think this was um, in an interview with uh, with with Elias. 
and he talked about. I want to say this was. Him. I want to say this is him. He talked about how in the two fifty race, or when it was, you know, when they ran two fifties, that the first two to five laps, everyone went, but no one was trying to kill each other. Um, you know, they wanted to see who was going to sort out where in what pack. And then once the packs had kind of established themselves, then you went after it. Where in MotoGP, um, everyone just went hard as soon as the lights went out and the race was underway. And there's been a few little comments here and there floating around by uh, people who have noticed and a couple people who in, in, in the know have said this too. Danny does not like close racing, and that might be because he's never had to race close. He's always been on top-shelf equipment and usually been out front. Now that he's, not to say mid-pack, but he's in a pack, that he's got to fight for position, that he's in there with people who aren't going to give him any quarter. They don't care. The fact that he's a rookie makes it even worse, but they don't care who it is. They'll, they'll play fair, but understand that these guys are going to race a lot closer than he's ever been used to, and he doesn't like that. Um that you know that might be his Achilles heel. So as uh, as people plan and strategize in the future for racing against him, if they haven't figured that one out already, um, might be something that they're gonna start doing. Is if you want to you want to get around Danny, you want to fluster him, you know, race him close, get up tight with him. Um, Rossi's made a career out of learning people's weaknesses uh, and figuring it out with. Uh, with Jeeber now, some of it was a mental game. Uh, some of it was just you hound the guy, hound the guy, hound the guy. You get a, you make you, you get him to make a mistake. You get around him, and then you break him uh, by putting a gap on him immediately. That uh, continues to break his confidence or his his, his drive, and and you win. Um, so, uh, you know, Rossi is is somewhat the master at that. So. I'm sure a couple of people have pointed that out to him, not only him, but other people. Uh, the one last comment that I wanted to make here that someone pointed out um, about Nick's mental mental toughness against, you know, going into this race. You know, is he going to be despondent or is he going to be fired up about it? Well, guarantee he's going to be fired up about it. Um, long before Nick got to MotoGP, he had probably the greatest training in how to become hard mentally about what's going on around you. Uh, so that of all the people, yeah, that's the one thing that Rossi has never been able to do to Nick is play head games with him because Nick's like, sorry, seen it before, and um, you're not any better than what I dealt with before, and that's Matt Maladin. Um Nick dealt with Matt for a couple years in the AMA Superbike class. Uh, first, you know, his first year, Nick was runner up and then he won the championship and, and Matt was playing, you know, Matt was doing what Matt likes to do and that's messing with people to see how they respond. And I don't remember how it all floated out back in the day. I'd have to go out and pull out some transcripts and stuff like that from, from those deals. But Nick learned from, if not the master, certainly, you know, seventh degree, sixth degree black belt type of of uh sensei there um how to deal with the mental games and how they're played and if you've noticed especially this year a little bit last year but definitely this year uh where rossi is very subtly but done a few things to try and irritate nick or you know play games with them and nick's just like i ain't having any of that get over yourself so um in that regard 
you know, there's no, there shouldn't be any issues with that as far as the mental angle of this whole thing. So Nick's going to go in there. He knows that he has no choice but to win. So I would say that I'm not going to say he's going to go play games, but he's going to go out there with a purpose of being the fastest person in every single session. And I'm not going to say he's going to qualify. He needs to qualify and pull as long as he's on the front row right there, ready to go. That's fine. You know, if he can, if he can get the poll, I don't think that gives him any advantage over Valentino in the final race. Because Valentino doesn't doesn't need doesn't need to kill himself. He just needs to figure out where's Nick. Okay, as long as I'm behind him, it's all good. And Nick said that. So Nick's got Nick knows what he needs to do. And if the Hobbit pulls any kind of shit like he did, he may not leave that race alive. Um, yeah. So, anyways, with that, let's get out of here. Heard enough of me, and uh, where is that? So, so once again, send your feedback. Rumblestripperradio at gmail.com. Of course, the website, www.rumblestripperradio.com. Click on the links, help out the site. Don't forget to, uh, once you download the show, burn it to a CD, pass along to your friends, share the, uh, share the joy that is Rumble Strip Radio. So uh, until next week, have fun, enjoy yourself. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about the last round in Valencia coming up. So until then, be good. Keep it on two wheels. So don't forget about the Motorcycle Podcast crew. Take care. See ya. Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media, LLC, and is protected under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved.